Our role is to present what we believe is the truth, to say to them, I want to have a relationship with you, but I'm not going to talk about this all the time. And if you can't respect that, then we don't really have a relationship and understand each other's boundaries. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Life Reframed. I'm Lauren Morgan. And I'm Rick Dunn. We got a celebrity with us today. We do today. And welcome, Greg Pinkner. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, guys. Stop shaking, your, you guys. stop shaking your head over there. I was at breakfast with you this morning. No People way. were coming and talking to you. No. Um, celebrity. So here's what you don't know, Greg, before we start. Lauren and I want to take this occasion to celebrate your 20 years oh. of teaching. It's an ambush. It's it an, an ambush. ambush. We got you in here under a false pretense yes. so that we could celebrate you. So we planned on having you, but we timed it here, kind okay. of close to your 20th anniversary, and we both wanted to just say a little bit of appreciation on behalf of Many of our listeners, not all our listeners are Fellowship Church, but the ones who are, right. uh, know and love and appreciate you. And I just thought, Lauren, if both of us could just say a moment of our Thanksgiving for you, Greg. Absolutely. You have been here for 20 years. Yes. Which is a long time. Yes. <laughs> it feels longer sometimes. Since Lauren was in uh, high school, she'd so like to point out. <laughs> I would like to point out I was in high school then, yes. Yes. Uh, and the prime of my youth. Uh, we are so thankful. You have touched so many lives your impact is beyond measure. I know Greg is shaking his head for everybody listening. <laughs> Greg, Greg does not like this moment, but truly, Greg, you have, and I know you will say things after this, that after we finish talking to, to dispel that, <laughs> Yes, but it truly like your service here, your work here is incredible. And so many lives have been touched I know that's true for Tommy. I speak for Tommy with that. And for me, I mean, I got to hear Greg even before he was here. He got to scare us (laughs) in middle school, you know, like at camps and stuff like that. And so for a very long time, you've had a very big impact in my life. And I know that is true for very many people. Thank you for your time here and all you have done. Well, that's very kind. And I came to know you, Lauren, uh, um, more recently through the podcast really mm-hmm. came to know who you are and I've had many conversations with you where I can hear Greg's theological influence on your life yes through those years Greg so I can validate that and then I would say the thing the listeners don't know and I said to you at breakfast this morning and not to set you up I just happened to think of it sure but um I love the teaching is powerful everybody that's what they talk about what people don't see is behind the scenes whether it's with elders conversations with staff casting vision whatever we're doing is how significant you are to us being able to ask the right questions to reflect deeply on the gospel and jesus and to not find ourselves just reacting and responding to everything around us but moving towards it uh, in christ and so i'd said to you that's the part of this that we can't that's the, nobody knows the calculus on that except jesus but i'm just really thankful for you well, thank you. Yeah, so same. I when I was on staff here mm-hmm. and would sit in <laughs> the communications office, Greg would come in and really just terrify <laughs> us at times. But I will say for our listeners who are, don't know Greg, there's this is this is loving context. This is, <laughs> yes, yes. Please know I I love Greg very deeply. Yes, you do. Uh, and what I'm about to say is gonna show it. No, he. Um, we come in and, but here's the thing. And this is what I would always tell Laura, who Laura, we've 
you know, keeps us on track with our right. podcasts. And I would like if something would happen, I'd be like, well, what does Greg say about it? Because you are the port in the storm. <laughs> and you That's a always great illustration port in the storm. You are you because go. if you will be honest, you're you don't sugarcoat things. You tell it how it is. And you're always you're right on, you know, so I'm like, does Greg and, and Laura always asks you like she does. She's <laughs> you are her her port in the storm, too. And you are for so many of us. And I mean, you just great metaphor. Malarn. It's true. The covid stuff. I remember mm-hmm. sitting in that office and Greg and Alex and I, I think. Mm-hmm. Was that it? The three? I don't know. The day that the world was shutting down and we were trying to transition to having like only online church and yeah. stuff like that. And maybe miles too. Probably miles too. Anyway, so we sat in there for hours and worked on making like an mm-hmm. online church out of what had not been before. And Greg's like, you were just, you're spot on. You're spot on mm-hmm. about things. But you also remind us of like where our true hope is. Yeah. And, well uh, well said, we Lauren. Just, but also, I wish everybody could hear some yeah. of those things because he also has some very hot takes on and is passionate about some fast food restaurants, <laughs> choice meats, yeah. things so, of that variety. Since we're encouraging people so much to listen, Greg, and often people do to your teaching, and, and even some people are still, I know I have friend, literally have friends in Europe who uh, have listened to all the Roman series through Crossroad, which is a years ago teaching yeah. you did. Uh, for college students. Um, but one of the things that you're doing now that we want to point to, and it's actually going to be a bridge into this conversation, uh, is you and Artie McClinigan have a podcast that uh, is extraordinarily complementary to what we do. Like we have this one way in which we're walking, help people reframing posture and yeah. perspective. You really uh, dive into some topics that are like outward facing into those hard things and giving some practices on that. Tell us about sure. off stage and what it's about, and then I'll use that to bridge us in. Sure. Well, um, off stage, I would say, is a more topical podcast where we break down issues, try to point out issues people may not be aware of, and then bring biblical perspective to it. Perfect. So, you know, we'll talk about, we have an episode on conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. We're going to um, link to that in the show notes, yeah, okay. too. Um, and we did a lot about politics during the 2016 election cycle and just all kinds of things mm-hmm. like that, that we're saying, listen, take these perspectives into account. It's so important and such a gift to the moment that we're in. Lauren, you're talking about the port in the storm. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I will have to say this. If you're going to listen to offstage, you must differentiate between the humor and the, <laughs> the factual content. There will be moments. Maybe some of our people aren't quite used to that humor. We'll have to get adjusted to it. Yes. It gets a little dark sometimes. It does. But in a good way. Which is why I love it. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> so uh, hopefully I'm enticing people into it. Uh, but there's also a, a bit of a port in the storm for things from conspiracy theory to transgenderism to all the, the many of the things that people just actually aren't talking about sure. that we can't quite get to on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. that aren't is in the purview of what Life Reframe does. But man, it's such a powerful thing. So we wanted to, and we will link to this um, in the show notes, for our people at Fellowship, we love to hear you. We want them to be, have time for the people who don't. But to help us with, suppose we have, and most of us have, someone in our life who's who's, who's in the realm of what we call conspiracy theories. Maybe right. we can talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah. And how do we 
based on our previous episode, be uh, not polarizing, want to be persuasive, but right. also respectful. Just what's going on that's causing this? Sure. Well, it's multifaceted for sure. Um, it's not one thing. It's several things all at once. You have um, the boomers ushered in to America um, a distrust of institutions that became codified into our society. We don't really trust institutions. Mm. Um, and part of them, uh, the America's foundation, and you know, when you were in civics in sixth grade or whatever, and you learned about um, how the three branches of government are supposed to keep each other accountable, part of that was their experience of European courts and monarchies and going, we're never gonna trust one entity anymore. They all have to, to work together. And so when the boomers really brought in this lack of institution, this institutional trust, which triggered, say, the 60s, it, it broached into America where people began to say, well, I don't trust these news stations. I don't trust this university. It's controlled by the left or I don't trust banks and corporations. They're mm -hmm. they're controlled by the right. And um, and all those those sort of things. Now, um the second part of that is there's a book called The Coddling of the American Mind that is um, you would read it now and go, oh, my gosh, like. I don't think you can say this stuff because it was written in like 2012 <laughs> and like <laughs> it was a decade old. So it's totally yeah. the world yeah. has changed a lot. Well, it call it basically says this is what's going to happen. And it's exactly what happened. Mm. And it basically posits that creating safe spaces and creating um, that feelings are the ultimate barometer is going to totally destroy the um, it's going to be destroy generations it, because it'll they will be incapable of dealing with things realistically um, because they're so used to setting the stage for their own um, realities mm -hmm. and so you are more and more isolating of institutionally you don't trust the institutions that are trying to say that's not true right you don't trust um you have a a uh, societal uh, impulse to say, I'm, I need to be right here mm -hmm. and don't tell me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And the, and there's another book called the death of expertise, which is also, um, a great read. Um, I think it's called the death of expertise. I think it is, um, where it basically says, and now people don't trust experts. It's not just most experts are in institutions and those go hand in hand, but if a PhD in astronomy says to you, um, we've been to the moon. You're going to go, no, we haven't. Uh, because number four and the biggest player is the internet. Um, and the internet is a place where bad actors will inject, like they'll make a, we didn't land on the moon video as a joke but people don't have the ability to process it out. Mm. They see it and think that is real. That is real. Um, and it is some of that, Greg, because the visual is so powerful that it's one thing to have a conversation. If somebody shows you something that can be more persuasive. Yeah. And is that part of it? It is part of it. Um, it is part of it because, but it only 
capable because of institutional distrust gotcha. and expertise distrust. Um, and then um, there's the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is the less you know about a subject, the more confident in your knowledge you are. So if you read one book on government, you will just go out going, well, this, this, and this, and I know this, this, and this. And a person with a PhD in government will go, well, actually, you ask them the same question, they'll go, man, there's so many opinions because they're very learned. They've read other books. So the less you know about a subject, the more certain you are. That's so interesting. Yeah. So I would recommend a Netflix doc for people called Under the Dome. Under the Dome. Under the Dome, and it's about flat earthers. And, uh, you know, going back to the empathy, I'm looping back to it. Um, They have PhDs in, you know, in geometry, I mean, uh, geography and astronomy and, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And there's one woman on there who goes, when you look at these groups, what you find is a deep sense of connection Mm-hmm. And people who can't find their place in those other institutions find a place where not only are they um, relationally welcomed, but challenging their own thinking becomes impossible to them because of the relational equity. Yeah, it's it's like the law to to change your thinking. And we we talked about this. There's a kind of David McRaney who wrote a book, How Minds Change. Yeah. And Tim Hartford had him on Cautionary Tales to talk about something similar. Sure. And it's very much echoed in what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. One guy steps out of the group and they destroy, like he, his life, like it is like, uh, I think it's betrayal is the word. It's yeah. betrayal. It's not just changing your ideas. You're betraying your right. people. Right. Well, and it's something that, you know, people who've left religion have experienced. Mm. You know, when I walked away from Christianity, I lost all my friends. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's not a unique to conspiracy theories. It's That's unique very to important. humanity. Very this important. is a human reaction. So can, I'm going to try to extrapolate. And sure. see if, so when we're speaking with someone who maybe has just a whole different deal. Right. Um, understanding is the human condition to build networks, relationships, community mm-hmm. around these ideas. And they become almost like... Uh, like grown together entwined, right? Yes. They're, they're one in the same. Right. I mean, you, it's almost like a surgical thing to get them separate. Is that right. fair? That's fair. That's very fair. Um, but we all operate that way. You know, we all find people who are like-minded. The internet makes it easier to find people who are okay. like-minded. The younger the person is, the more they put equal, if not more status on their online relationships than they do in their real world relationships. And so, it's very easy to be accepted in a group online and and all of a sudden that meets all your relational needs. So are there more conspiracy theories or are they more prevalent now than they were like pre-COVID? Or is it the same and we just hear about certain things more? Yes, that's 100% it. We, there's not more. It's that we hear about them easier. Okay. So there was as many conspiracy theories in the 70s and 60s and 1780s as there are now. But because institutional trust was high, they were crackpots. Nobody listened to them. And people would be like, "That's you're crazy. That is the craziest thing we've ever heard. But now 
you're a truth teller. You're speaking truth to power. And you can do it on a YouTube channel, right. which generates a lot of followers. Right. And a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a mess. It's a total mess of things. When you're trying to navigate through this, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fast. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a problem. So how do we navigate through it? Sure. So I think the first thing you do, if you want to truly like deal with a conspiracy theory, if you have somebody who says, I don't believe in the moon landing, we didn't land on the moon. Then you go to a bigger conspiracy theory and you go, you believe in the moon? <laughs> you out conspiracy theory, their conspiracy theory. What do they do when you do that? What's, you believe in the moon? What are you crazy? What's their response to that? Do they think, oh, they just, I am missing a, they're, a greater? They just kind of go, what? That's totally a joke, by the way. Um, so, but but everyone at home wants to try it now. Yeah, like even though it's just for a joke, right? Everybody at home is like, that would be so. That much would fun. be yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Okay, gonna do that. Um, you know, they made us all take COVID vaccines to put chips in us. <laughs> Have you ever eaten potato chips? Do you know what they're doing in those things? You know, this is what you're good at. Yeah, for sure. So I'm like, I would never think I, my mind would never think to go there. Yeah. So um, there are a lot of things we can talk about. I'm going to start here. And this is, I think, the number one point to take away from this. If you want to engage somebody in. You know, the last pod, of course, I, I haven't heard it, but um, I'm going to assume you did a lot of the relational right, work. Right. But the first intellectual step you want to take is defining terms. That's always, always what a debate comes down to. Who defines the terms and say, I want to set a definition of this that we both agree on because, you know, so it's you, a, you have a common base. Right. We have a common base. That makes tons of sense. Yeah. Because postmodernism, which was the loss of the idea of absolute truth, relativized truth in our eyes. So if I don't see it that way, I don't have to deal with your math. But if you say, well, let's find some common definitions of things, of what that means. The second thing, and this is the most important thing, is what would make this falsifiable to you? Hmm. Now, conspiracy theorists almost never have an answer for it, right? So I will take things like Christianity, which is the core central aspect of my life, and go, if they found Jesus's body tomorrow, then I, this whole thing's not true. If they found Jesus's body tomorrow and, you, and there was absolute irrefutable, it's evidence. like we found it, then this is all untrue. The Bible even says that if Christ was not raised, Paul goes, this is all a joke. Yeah. Like we should be pitied more than anybody. So you want to find that degree of falsifiability And most conspiracy theorists will go. It's not, it's not false. And I, and you say, well, I know, I know you think it's not. Mm -hmm. I'm asking if what happened, would you go, okay, this is all bunk. I don't believe it anymore. And even if they don't have an answer for you, they're going to think it through hmm. there. It's just going to get stuck in their head. It creates going, the question. It creates a question. And that's the biggest thing you want to do. If you get into arguing A, B's and C's with them of all this information you've seen, then you're it's, it's a non win. Instead, 
Let them start asking questions of themselves. And that's where you want to say, what would make this falsifiable to you? That's encouraging because during COVID, I had a conversation with someone who um, said to me, and, and I, in the most loving, respectful way, I mean, in a, in a way that honored me, said, yeah. I'm just concerned you're giving in to fear. The way Mary masked at church and, you know, going online, I feel like you're giving in to fear. And it was so respectfully written that I actually reached out to the person and said, hey, I would like to talk with you. I'd like to have a conversation with you. And it is not my intent to try to persuade you otherwise. I, I would like to share my thoughts. But since you've been, basically, you've been so gracious, I'd like to sit. And we talked for a while and they shared, you know, this is by uh, giving into the vaccines and the mask mm-hmm. and all, you're teaching our children to be fearful. And, and I said, you know, um, here's what I think. And I absolutely do not believe that ma- in masks and vaccines the way I believe in Jesus. That's right. my best understanding of what to do at this right. point. I said, I'm going to ask you for just to consider this. We don't have to talk about it. Just consider this question. Do you think it's possible that you are giving into fear over the, thinking that this is a government thing designed right. to, right. to kill, to get Christians you know, under their thumb? Yeah. And I said, I'm not saying you believe us, but do you think it's possible? And he said, well, it's possible. I said, I respect that. And, and we actually had a really good conversation with your relationship. We still stayed on different issues, sides of things, quote yeah. sides of things, but that person is still a brother and have a good mm-hmm. relationship. And so we didn't have to agree on everything, Sure, but it was something, and I'm just thinking it out loud. It was the kind of common ground where we could both have enough humility to say, well, I might be wrong about this. Sure. Even though I have firm convictions on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, another thing is understanding there's a difference between conspiracy theory and um, having a different interpretation of things. That's a good point. See, so someone could say, hey, I, I think masks don't work. You know, I don't think the vaccines work, those kind of things. Um, and some of that is borne out. Like they kind of come now, they understand it and say, no, well, the masks really don't help against coronavirus because of how it works. And, you know, that group is trumpeted loud and mm-hmm. proud and loud mm-hmm. that um, that that was the facts. But you have to go. You have to also go back and go. But we didn't know then. Right. Right. Our what we were being told by the experts. And, um, what the larger consensus was, was this, well, well, why would you trust the government? Well, because that's our best, you know, mm-hmm. what else are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, but that's not a full blown conspiracy theory. That's just a trust. Different, issue. That's just a trust issue and a different interpretation of things. That's such a good differentiation. Whereas if someone came in and said, I think the government injected the coronavirus for the purpose of trying to go, that's a conspiracy theory. Okay, good. Yeah. Or I think that, what about, I mean, obviously there's a lot about the coronavirus sure. that we could, well, I said the current COVID that we can yeah. talk about, but um, what about like the old conspiracy theories mm-hmm. that like 9-11, we talked about that in yeah. our last episode a little bit. Or JFK, uh, assassination. JFK, sure. things like that. I mean, it doesn't really matter what the conspiracy theory is, right. does it? No, it it's doesn't. just the basis of somebody believing this and is it our job to talk them out of it? I don't think it's, it's not your job to talk them out of it. 
Um, what is our, what's our role? Our role is to present what we believe is the truth to say to them, I want to have a relationship with you, but I'm not going to talk about this all the time. And if you can't respect that, then we don't really have a relationship Mm -hmm. and understand each other's boundaries. And then to also just say, you know what? Um, Some of this may be true. Some of it may not be true, but it doesn't matter. It don't, God is only caring about me loving my neighbors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if the government, you know, was behind the JFK assassination, which they weren't, but, um, well, we just lost some listeners. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> well, you know, I drove by the book depository almost every day in Dallas and I've worked out the math. It's, <laughs> um, but what conspiracy theories thrive on is the, um, let's take the JFK um, assassination. What conspiracy theories thrive on is an understanding of taking one fact and taking it out of context. And then that fact becomes supreme. So the main fact in the JFK assassination is called the magic bullet, right? The magic bullet, if you are unaware, is a bullet that hit Kennedy in the shoulder. And then because of the trajectory had to make like a hard right turn, then make a hard left turn to hit the governor of Texas who was in the front seat in his, I think his leg and his, his stomach and his leg or something like that. I don't remember the exact thing of it and it was impossible. And so people would say, this doesn't work at all. This is not true. Uh, and so famously Oliver Stone in the JFK movie mm-hmm. really demonstrates it. And then, you know, uh, it's played out well in an episode of Seinfeld. I was just about to say Seinfeld, <laughs> you know, then Seinfeld says, you know, here's the magic loogie. Um, hits him here. Hits him here. here <laughs> turns to the left. No. But then if you just read the report for three pages, it says the car that they're riding in. The assumption is that Kennedy and the governor are sitting right beside behind each other. But the car they're in, the back seat is actually elevated and further out. So all of a sudden it goes straight line and you go, Oh, it wasn't a magic bullet. It's that you assume the car seats were on the same level and directly behind one another, which is not what it was. You know, Kennedy was sitting up in the limo and Mm -hmm. uh, a little more higher and further on the outside waving at people. And so that bullet just came straight in. Um, But there's once you believe a central fact, you'll start picking apart things that um, don't have any validity, but it's it becomes a snowball. But you've taken the fact out of context. Right. And now you're building everything on that without paying any attention to the context. Right. Right. That's a big player in these things. Um, The other thing, especially about governmental conspiracy theories, is we know there is a ton of stuff the government does that's secret and mm-hmm. they don't tell us about and, and we'll never know we should never know right there's some things we shouldn't know but everything gets de- un- declassified 50 years later and so that is a ripe ground for conspiracy theories because the government has to have secrets so we inflame those secrets and then go what about this you know um sense. 
And so it's a ripe ground. It's a population that's ripe for it because of its uh, cultural milieu of what's going on, the technological advances. Let me tell you something. If you think conspiracy theories now are bad, let's talk about deep fakes. Because deep fakes are going to be impossible to stop. What are deep fakes? Deep fake is the ability to take a video of a person, say, uh, you know, you Trump, on a, okay. yeah, Trump or whoever, <laughs> Greg on this, and you can, well, you can do it to anybody. Yeah. You could totally do it on a Greg message. And then AI will edit the video to make them say whatever you want them to say. And so, it looks real. And it looks 100% real. And so you, can, you could make anyone say anything. You can make anyone say anything. And in our world, all somebody has to do is drop a deep fake on Twitter of what, you know, presidential candidate X the night before the election going, you know, I want to kill all black people or whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the time that goes around the world instantly that they come out and say, that's a deep fake, you know, it's too late. The reaction to it is immediate. And how do you know? You What's don't know. What? Yeah. And it's coming like a freight train. And so. This is going to get worse before it gets better. There's the encouraging, Greg, everyone and loves. I was going to say, remember when I said he would come into our <laughs> office and say things and he would be right? Well, I've This heard, is what scares me. Yeah, yeah. I've heard you know, Hollywood's concerned that you can take any actor or actress, put mm-hmm. them in any movie and create it out of AI, and then you don't need the actor. You don't need the actor. That's right. Well, they've already done it. Um, if you saw the Star Wars movie Rogue One at the end, they have Carrie Fisher as young Princess Leia at the end of the movie walking around they have a character in the movie i can't remember the actor's name who is in a lot of the movie who died 30 years ago Mm -hmm. um and he's back in this movie and studios are going to stars like harrison ford and people like that going we want to purchase a license to you we can make movies with han solo in them and it's going to be a very interesting reality going forward and if you think of things like getting catfished and those kind of mm-hmm. things, I mean, it is going to explode just because of technology. Mm-hmm. So how do we stay grounded and hold on to the truth and in light of all of that? Sure. Uh, you follow the Bible. Be slow. Uh, be quick to listen and slow to speak. You wait. Do I really think that guy would have said something like that? Let me check. Let me see if this is fake. Um, do I really, you know, um, the the younger generations who have been so taught, follow your heart, your gut is everything, are going to have to learn some really hard lessons about how, no, it's not. Your gut and your head have to work together. Um, because if you let one, you know, we let Western Civ famously let the head rule for a long time and but then didn't recognize where they're letting their gut lead because they weren't connected. We're supposed to be whole people. And so we have to tame both of them, our minds and our hearts. I love that. And, and I'm going to build off what you said, just not thinking out loud, Lauren, that the the Bible is, you quoted, but it's also, that's our core grounding. Found that you know, yeah. And this is, of course, the passion of yours. That I'm so thankful for is knowing the Bible, knowing what it actually says, not yeah. what the sound bites are. 
and in being in the kind of spiritual community that's grounded in the scripture so mm-hmm. that you can learn that head heart connection yeah. because we're not likely to be healthy learning that by ourselves. Even if you're, I'm a real intuitive kind of a gut person. Yeah. I can't be by myself and figuring all that out. I need to be in a community where I'm surrounded with different people with different gifts, different strengths. It's one of the great mm-hmm. things that I've enjoyed 20 years with you, Greg, of learning from each other and making connections with each other and for each other that we might not do by ourselves. And, and these things like you, you need, this is where, you know, we often say is, uh, gosh, it's, it's popular and easy to deconstruct the church, but the alternative of no spiritual community for people grounded in the word mm-hmm. is not a good alternative reality. Right? No, it's absolutely true. The purpose of being slow to speak, um, being slow to speak, quick to listen, guarding your mouth, you know, just all taming the tongue as James says, and, and all these things is so that you can have a time to go. Am I sure? What do I, what do I not know is the question every person should ask mm. for conspiracy theorists. We also have to have a healthy respect for what we can control and what we can't, because one of the things conspiracy theories do for people is it gives them control and it explains things for them much easier. Like it's much easier to think our corrupt government blew up the twin towers. than there's a group of people out there who hate our guts and will hate us for the, till the end of time. And would come after us. Right. Without and, any control on our part or knowledge. Right. And so it's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good That's point. scarier for sure. Yeah. And so you'll find people will do what it takes to have a life that is their own and they control and it makes sense to them because we all struggle with chaos, you know? <laughs> and one of the things I've really been teaching over the last year or so is when we look at the world, the Christian can be assured it's not chaos, it's mystery. Because mystery feels like chaos, mm-hmm. but there's a reason behind all of it, right? A great mystery is where you are clueless as to how this thing is going to turn out. You know, a bad mystery is when you read page two and you go, oh, it was this guy. And then the rest of it you're reading and you go, oh, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. But a great mystery novel is... I have no idea who did it. I have, I'm clueless, but the experience of mystery is chaos. Hmm. And so it's going to feel chaotic, but we know we have a God who sits in the heavens, who does whatever he pleases. And it's not chaos. It's mystery. And that's a totally different thing. That's so good. Now there's a reframe, Lauren. I know it really is. is. We're having crossover episodes here. Great (laughs) preframe. I love it. That's so good. That's a great note. It is. And if you want to hear more of, as I think you probably will, please check out Offstage. Because two or three of the things you've said today are actually full episodes of Offstage. Mm -hmm. Chaos, mystery, conspiracy Mm -hmm. theory, some of the other things. And so... I want to encourage you to head that way. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners probably are listeners of Offstage, but for anyone who isn't, we are linking in the show notes to it, and you can find Greg and RD over there. Greg, yes. thank you for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. So fun to have you yep. here. Look forward <laughs> to having you back. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Life Reframed. We're so thankful for our community around this show. Be sure to check out today's show notes where you can find helpful links from the show as well as ways to get in touch with us. You can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. 
We love to hear your thoughts and it helps us get the word out about the show. Thanks so much for investing in us. As always, we'd like to thank the team who makes this show possible. Laura Benner, Alex Stiefendurfer, and Sam Scott. Y'all are our people. Thank you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.